take your seats. Amen. So on tonight, we're continuing. We're in the, the book of Colossians, and we're picking up in chapter 2. Um, we did two weeks in Colossians chapter 1, um, rich, rich um, study. And for those of you who've been a part and um, been participating and listening online, we've had some deep discussions um, in this book of Colossians. There's been a lot of, um, you know, you think you're heading one way, but just some real, real issues. So um, just to rehash real quick, we discussed Christ being the supreme one. Um, we've had detailed and discussions on how to forgive those who have wronged us. Um, that way we reflect the love of Christ. And just, um, just to open up this Colossians 2, I read somewhere that Ephesians was more about portraying the church of Christ. But when they talked about Colossians, they said that Colossians is more about Christ, the Christ of the church. So the focal point is more on Christ in Colossians. Ephesians kind of focused on the body, and Colossians focuses on the head. And so the purpose of Colossians, so Paul's purpose in Colossians was to show Christ that he was preeminent, which is what we've already discussed, Christ, Christ being supreme, first and foremost, and in everything. And then to go on is where we kind of pick up tonight is how um, Christ being preeminent in everything, but then going on to the expression of how the Christian life should reflect that priority. The Christian life should reflect that Christ is supreme. So here's a foreword that I read about Colossians. Believers are rooted in him, alive in him, hidden in him, and complete in him. It says it's utterly inconsistent for them to live life without him, clothed in his love, with his peace ruling in their hearts. They are equipped to make Christ first in every area of their life. And so with that thought in mind, let's go to verse 1. It says, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. And some of your Bibles say, or seen my face in the flesh. Now, this is Paul talking to the Colossians and also to the church nearby, which was in Laodicea. And he's letting them know, he's saying, I've had great conflict for you. I've agonized for you. And when you think about that word, I had to, you know, you know, I got to dissect the, the word out, right? Agonize. When you agonize something, there's, content, there's contention. And in the Strong's Dictionary, when you look up the biblical view of the word agonize, it's a battle. It's some kind of a struggle. They also used that word when they were talking about the Greek Olympians, when they went to contests. It was about a race, being equipped for the race, running away a race to win a prize. And also they talk about that same word figuratively, it means anxiety or conflict in Hebrews 12 and 1, where it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such great a cloud of witnesses, it's talking about laying aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. So anything that holds us back while we're trying to run this race, while you're trying to run this in this Christian journey, laying aside those things that, are, that you don't need to win the race, those things that hold you back, those things that are heavy. So that's the same way that, that this agony and this conflict, this contention is used in verse 1. And I want you guys to know, so a greater part of Paul's ministry 
is dealing in suffering and in facing contention. And it was all surrounding him sharing the gospel. He faced so much opposition just in sharing the word of God. What was Paul really doing wrong? He was teaching people about Jesus Christ, and yet he was faced with so much opposition, so much contention, and for him, it was agony. It was the race. It was him running for a prize. Amen? So in verse 2, he goes on to say in verse 2, I want them, as he's referring to Laodicea, the church that's nearby, to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Let's look at that. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. You think that God feels the same way about us today? United together, and that knit together is special there because when you think about somebody, I don't know if anybody in here knits or does any type of crocheting, that's supposed to be, there's some tight, there's some overlapping and some things that are strongly connected. And so though that's like a, some poetic words used there where they want the body of Christ and us as believers to be knitted together. That's united together. And he's saying in strong, with strong ties of love. What do y'all say about that today? Are we knitted together with strong ties of love? It says to cause a person, this is what I'm still dealing with knitted together, to cause a person to unite with one in a conclusion, to put together, to teach, to instruct one, parts of the body knit together. Now we got to think about that because as believers and as the body of Christ, are we knitted together with strong ties of love? These are not just fancy words. They want us to live this this out, us being knitted together. Amen? And so I'm just going to throw it out there. Do you think as believers, as a body of Christ, that we are knitted together with strong ties of love? Do you think that's factual? Somebody speak to me. I mean, I, I think I think we're supposed to be, but I think we're we're more tied together um, based on a commonality, a Christian belief, which should be Christ, which is love. But I think sometimes we get caught up in the church things that we forget that uh, not that we forget, but love kind kind of comes secondary sometimes, which Christ should be first and love should be first. Okay, that's fair. What I was going to say is um, if we were knitted together according to what it says that we're supposed to be, sometimes we get, you know, we're living in this world and we're of this world. We're thinking like worldly thoughts and, and we're, we're basically doing things on our own as opposed to according you know as opposed to listen to God's word and his will and it takes people out of the realm of being in Christ or being knit together you know what I'm saying I, yeah. that's fair that's fair go ahead and get a mic 
Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, if I may share openly, uh, most of you may not know me, but I first started out here in Scribing like 25, 24 years ago. So when you speak about that closeness, that tightness, mm -hmm. you know, events occurred where about 13 years ago, I left the church, you know, family and everything. And during that time, while, you know, away, did not experience the love, you know, in a Christian, Christian environment. Now, this is the honest part. So when I came back here about two years ago, I was hesitant to come back here. And the only reason that I did come is because my daughter, who's a teenager, she was going to service at the spot. So, you know, she would say, Dad, I need to go to church. I'm like, I'll take it, go to church and let her do her thing, and then I'll just hang out until, uh, you know, church is over and I will pick up. So I guess about eight months ago, they had uh, recognition for the youth, and she said, Dad, I want you to be here. You know, so I want you to be here because they're going to recognize me. She's an exceptional student. Exceptional student to the point that, if I may share, she just been awarded a scholarship to college that they're going to give her $20,000 per year. Wow. Scholarship. Wow, yeah. That's awesome. So, so, but I'm just speaking on, on, my, on myself personally. I was a deacon here. I mean, I taught Sunday school. I was an usher, singing in a, you know, choir and everything. But then when I came back, I was hesitant because I did not know if I was going to still have that love. So just by faith, I said, Lord, I'm just going to go ahead and step out. Sister Jessie, she embraced me. Minister Latham, you know, he embraced me. All the brothers, the sisters, you know, they hugged me. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. Hey, look. Eyes may be upon you, but don't think those eyes upon you in that sense that they're looking at you sideways. <laughs> but, hey, we're glad to see you, and we love you. That's good. So that tight love, yes, I know what you're speaking about, that knit, the crocheting. So every time I'm here, I feel it. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's good. When, I, when you said knitted together, um, as we already know that uh, – you know, we have, uh, God has created us. And as he created us, we are part of him. Amen. And we've been separated from him. And not only been separated, then we also come to where we study now about when you say Christ is the head. When he says he's his head, you know, Jesus said, me and the Father are one. And we are supposed to be part of him. And if you look at as Paul has given a demonstration of the body, we have the head, and everybody is part of that body. So we are knitted together as one. And as he says, you know, everybody has their different part of the body. So I would say, yes, that we should be knitted together because that's the way God has designed it for us to be one Amen. with each other. Good. I got one heard. Um, everybody's saying what we should. Pam's got on some uh, sweater that was knitted, okay? And when you have something that was knitted, you get a snag and fabric starts coming all over the place and it gets unraveled like nobody's business. 
okay? And I'm bringing up a point because COVID-19 has unraveled the church because people are still in fear about coming to an organization, coming out, socializing. We do what we need to do, but we're supposed to be knit, and when you're knit, you're closer than that. The fabric getting spread out is it, tight, and they pull it tight because that's the only way that it strengthens each other. One strand of fabric by itself is nothing until it's wound up with some more. And until we get back to that, this is what we're supposed to be, and God's love is supposed to be emulating from all of us. And as an example, if you were standing there and the lights were turned off, and you just had a candle. That's your light shining. But it's not bright until everybody in here has a candle and everybody's light is shining. So I'm going to shut my mouth and let you continue. <laughs> no, that's all right. Thanks for, your, um, for that perspective. And I just added to that in my own thought um, as I was preparing. I said, hey, as brothers and sisters, we're going to disagree. Add a little snag in the sweater, right? Um, with how something should be done or we may not agree on what color is best for this occasion or what time we ought to start this. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of it all, in the big grand scheme of things, we should be united together in love um, and in affection. And it, and it does say strong ties of love for a reason. It just doesn't say in love. It says strong ties interlocking, overlapping, not easily pulled apart is what I wrote. It's funny you said that. But with complete confidence in Jesus Christ. Amen? We're looking at verses 3 and 4. It says, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I want you to take a note there that he said all, all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. So hold on to that thought. In verse 4, he says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you. Some of your Bibles say beguile you with well-crafted arguments. And I'm, I'm thinking, he's saying that. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you by, and what you think about that deception, by false reasoning or circumventing or cheating you by false reckoning. Somebody just giving you a well-crafted argument that's Sounds really good, but it's not. It's just, it's close, but that's not it. That's not the way that God would have you to think. Amen? It kind of makes you think about Eve. Well-crafted argument with that deception. You know, the serpent presented what was considered a well-crafted argument there. He said, if you eat of the tree, you won't surely die. And then he adds on to there, he said, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, part of that was true, knowing good and evil. She, she was going to know good and evil, what she had not before. But he said, you won't surely die. He didn't know she would die a spiritual death. And I think that's a well-crafted argument. And I, the same is true for today. There's some well-crafted arguments, some well-crafted things that are said that sound so good that if you don't know the difference, you may fall for it. And you may say, well, you know, or you may focus more on your desire and what you want out of that thing versus 
what it is that God is saying to you or what he wants you to do. Amen? So what does the word of God say about it? That, that's my, my impact or that's my outcome for all of it. When you are faced with well-crafted arguments or things that sound close to the truth or good, you know what? You need to go back and say, oh, that's real good, man. It, makes you, it, it caused you to think, but uh, is that what God says? What did he say? God said, you will surely die, right? In James 1 and 2, it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so sometimes we could deceive ourselves. If you're just hearing the word, oh, you heard the word. That was a good word. But you didn't apply that word. And you didn't do what the word said for you to do. And so even in that, we don't have to be deceived by somebody with a well-crafted argument. We deceive ourselves. That's what the word says. So I do believe that in this, all of this, in my study, God is calling us to move past just hearing this word, repeating this word. You know, the growth is in doing the word. You can't just talk the talk anymore. I think I heard somebody in here said that you, you can't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk. And I, I think about when Pastor asked us last week, how do you measure growth in, in yourself? You know, what do you use to measure your growth as you've been going along this Christian journey? What things in your own life helped you to measure, you know, to, to let you know, hey, I've grown. I know I've grown. And I, I just repeat, some said, you know, I have more patience. Others said, I don't respond the way I used to. And then there were some examples of areas where, you know, people kind of were open with, hey, I still need some growth. I, you know, I still got some things that I'm working on. And I think if everybody's honest, we all have some things that we are working on or growing in. But that, I just think it's a sure thing to look at growth as that sign of maturity and as a sign of you walking the walk for yourself, not necessarily for somebody else to take note, but for you to recognize in yourself, hey, I'm growing. I'm not just hearing this word that's being preached or that's being taught. I'm not just listening and, and memorizing. I'm actually doing what the word says for me to do so that I can exercise this word and so that I can see the growth and continue to grow in Christ. Amen? Verses 5 and 6. It says, for though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. I'm not there in flesh. Some, some of your Bibles say, I'm not there in flesh, but I'm with you in spirit. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And there, follow him. Some of your Bibles say, walk in him. You must continue to walk in him. And so it's true to be said, after you accept Jesus Christ, that's not the end of it. I accepted the Lord. I've accepted the Lord. Then what? You know what I mean? You have to follow, you got to keep following him. You have to keep following him, following his way. It's, uh, so Paul is saying, don't just accept Jesus Christ and stop there. There's more to it. There's a little bit more in how you live. How, how do you grow? You can accept Jesus Christ and, and not have any roots down in there. You don't have any growth. You have nothing to base. Okay, I accepted Jesus Christ. You so easily can fall away. So follow means to move along behind someone who is a guide or a leader. Jesus' disciples followed Jesus. They followed him so much so that they became students. 
They followed him so much so that they became students. And that was something that stuck out to me in my study. How many of you, I'm just going to ask you all the question, consider yourselves Christians and would consider yourself a disciple of Jesus? Go ahead and raise your hand if you consider yourself a Christian or a disciple of Jesus Christ. I think every hand in here should be, be going up. If not, I'm kind of wondering, do you want to accept the Lord as your, your Savior tonight? Amen? And so with that question, how many of you that raised your hand consider yourself a student of Jesus Christ? A student. And if some are honest, you may have raised your hand the first time, but you didn't raise your hand the second time. Because, hey, I've accepted the Lord as my, my personal savior. You know, he's my savior. I believe. But am I really a student of Jesus Christ? Let's just be real. Am I a student? And you got to think about what, is, what a student does, and what a student is supposed to be doing. What kind of student? What kind of, maybe that's better. What kind of student are you? There are different kinds of students. There's some students that show up to class, huh? Without the notebook, no pen, no nothing, you know? Are you a student of Jesus Christ? Are you learning what it is that he has for you to learn? Are you getting something out of it? And then, back to that, are you actually applying? Are you just hearing? You went to class and you heard everything they said, but you didn't, you're, there's no application. And so when the test comes, you take no notes, go ahead. You know, I look at uh, what you said, being a student. You know, it's all in that word, being a good steward. Uh -huh. Because when you're being a student, you're learning. And when you're that steward, you're learning how to be over what God gave us to be the stewards over. So you got to be a student first to learn. Because we got a great teacher. And then the teacher see where you in that place he had taught you and brought you from. Then he'll place you to be a steward. And then the, it brings about the entrusting and trustworthy. So we, if we are not a, stu a student, we can't learn how to be trustworthy. Right. So in being <laughs> in school and being that student, we learn how to be faithful over little. And then he increased to a lot. We learn how to you know, care about what he gave us because he don't entrust everybody okay. with his goods because his goods is what he said it is, is good. So, you know, that's, what I, that's why I say I, that I'm in school being a student so I can know how to be a good steward. Oh, that's good. Amen. That's good. And that's, go ahead. One of the things that, that came to mind for myself to understand about what uh, I believe and what was given unto me, then there is a, such a thing as a doc. <laughs> there's such a thing as a doctrine, okay. mm. and as a doctrine, that you something you have to believe on the principles of that doctrine, and what that principle stands for, or the system and my belief systems. So I have to be a be taught. 
of this doctrine in order for me to be able to stand upon what I'm learning of this doctrine, I have to be taught. So I am a student. Wow. Continue to, to learn of this doctrine that I believe. So I'm always now at this stage learning as a student to believe on to the doctrine that has been given unto me. Right. So. Amen. That's good. That's all connected. We connecting that student with follower. And so if that's what makes a good follower, being a good student, are you a good follower of Jesus Christ? What does that mean? Sometimes following Christ can mean immediate detachment from your personal interests and then attachment to Christ. Immediate, immediate detachment from personal interests and then attachment to Christ. You got to think about the scriptures, some of those scriptures where they say, take up your cross and follow me. <laughs> huh? Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. That was to Simon, Peter, and Andrew. And immediately, they didn't say, they said, wait a minute, hold on a minute. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Their nets were their livelihood. Huh? How they, they were able to, there was their profession, it was how they ate. And they left their nets, not thought about it. Oh, wait a minute, let me call somebody. Let me see what my wife. Their livelihood. Say so they dropped their nets and all that was comfortable, all that they had known for that time, and followed Jesus Christ. Hey. Go ahead. You said go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay, you asked a few minutes ago. You said to be a good student, you know, be a follower. Is that the way you put it? No, I'm saying um, when I was connecting student and follower, I was asking you, since you now know that in order to be a good follower, you're a student, are yeah. you a good student? Then I asked you, are you a good follower of Jesus Christ? Okay, okay, that go back where you saying, how do we know we've grown? Right, so, right. So if we're a good follower, you know we know that we're grown because when we follow, you know, you you leave in this here, and then you walking on like you following the word of God. So that means that you don't grow from what you left behind. Okay, that's that's good. I didn't think about it like that, but that's good. Okay. Anybody else? Y'all still there? Okay. So what I was what I was getting to was with Simon Peter. When you when you <laughs> when you're following the Christ, there comes there becomes or there's an opportunity for, for an immediate detachment from personal interest and then an attachment to Christ. And some were able to do that. We see examples in the Bible where he said, take up your cross and follow me. And then he went after Simon Peter and Andrew and said, hey, follow me and let me make you fishers of men. And they did that immediately. And I'm just, I was just thinking in this word, I'm like, how many of you know that following Jesus may cost you some things, some so-called friends, or, or some friends, or some, some friends, um, perhaps a promotion, perhaps something that you um, held dear, right? It's going to cost you, it may cost you something. And, um, you know, and some of you here may know that, but some people don't um, leave their nets 
and follow Christ because of those interests or those friends and because of mm -hmm. those personal things that mm -hmm. they hold dear. Go ahead. Like a young rich ruler? One more time. Like the young rich ruler? Okay. Yeah. Go and sell all of that stuff and come follow me. Yeah. We get attached to things too. That's what you were saying? Okay. Yeah. So was it easy? I guess I'm putting it out there to say, do you feel like you lost something? Do you feel like it cost you something to where you're not in a good place now and you're trying to follow Christ? Just be real. Talk real. Somebody. Get your mic, Miss. How's I still enjoying? So at the time, <laughs> you okay. may say, yo. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if, if we're real. That's what I'm trying to talk to somebody yeah, so, so that we can reach somebody else who is maybe not exactly where you are, right. but is contemplating, hey. Right. At, at the time, leaving some things behind, you might be like, I don't know about this. But being now, now I can say, I'll never go back to that. Okay. Or I'm so glad I left that. But at the time, okay. you're like, mm, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Okay. You know? Yes, sir. And, and that's what I'm getting to. Some of y'all acting like, oh, I just dropped my net and came running when the Lord called me. And I'm just like, come on. Somebody had a struggle. Somebody was struggling with that thing. You talk, talk real. It wasn't easy. You didn't just drop everything you was doing and go running after Christ. Now, somebody may have. I did. You know, it took, it took something. You know, it took some learning or it took some sitting and listening and growing and some conviction in this word to get me to really drop some stuff and leave it, leave it alone. I think Virginia and then um, Mern. Um, following Christ will cost you your life. To die to self is to live with Christ. And when something has to die, when you have to cut away from something, it's never easy. All sin ain't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't all bad. You had to make a conscious decision to cut that off to follow Christ because the weight is too heavy. It cannot enter. It's old wine. It ain't no good. It can't go through the, 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 the door. Um, so all sin wasn't bad. And everybody don't come running to Christ because something bad has happened. Some people have to make a conscious decision. But I want to speak to being a student and being a follower. Okay. So... I know people who are students of the word, <laughs> know the word front and back, and will tell you, I read this Bible front to back from Genesis to Revelations several times. Student of the word to know it, to know it, but not know it to apply it. When you decide to follow Christ, that's when that word becomes life to you. And then it's easier when you say hey, you're going to follow Christ and your heart is pure and geared toward the things of God. It is not easy, but it's definitely manageable to cut things off and to die to self and to put things away and to run to Christ. Because even though it may not always feel easy in the flesh, come on, the flesh is a mess. 
It ain't always feel good. It's a mess. It, 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 it don't want to give up. It don't want to <laughs> suffer. It don't want to sacrifice. I ain't teaching. But I'm just saying, it, 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 sin feels good, and it don't want to give up on it. Right. The flesh like it. But when you make a decision to follow Christ, you're going to have to deny blood to that thing. Have, make it have an ischemic attack where it is just cut off from you, and that does not feel good. That's good, but I do want to add this to what you said. I think being a, you just knowing the word, you hearing it, you being able to regurgitate it, repeat it, front, back, sideways, upside down, and not live it does not make you a good student. No. Right. You are a student. You're a kind of student. You're a kind of student. You of showed up. Yeah. You can say it, yeah. but you're not a follower. And you're that's, not a follower. And a follower does the word. Right. And that's the distinction, and that is what I want to you name my, I want to make that point clear. You may think you are, you are a student. You're a student. Are you a good follower of Jesus Christ? Meaning, do you do the word? Time out, and that's really what he pointed out to me early on in here. It's time out for talking the talk. Yeah. It's time out for you being able to say it and repeat it and do all of that. Are you living what you are saying in Gotta this word? Are you living? and doers. That's right. That's right. Go ahead, Brenda. I believe personally that coming to Christ is, 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 is a joy when you get there. It's hard to make up your mind. But you, the, the thing that affects you the most is the time. Because you keep telling yourself, you know, I, I want to change this. I want to do this. And when this happens, I really want to start going to church. I want to start for the Christ. I want to do the right thing. But you keep telling yourself that. But you know you can't do it by yourself. So you have to make a conscious mind at that point and say, you know what? I'm going to go to church now with all my mess and pray that the Lord will clean it up for me. Because you can't clean up your own mess. You got to come as you are. And that's what makes it difficult. Because a lot of people sit and think that they can clean up themselves before they come to the doctor. But if you don't need a doctor if you already healed yourself. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Hey, and some people, um, some people say those exact words. I'm, I'm just working on some things. When I get myself together, then I'm going to go ahead, I'm going I'm to go, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to do this. I just got to get some things. So a lot of people don't know I'm coming as I am, and God is going to work out all of that stuff. I'm going I'm to get some conviction when I hear this word. I'm going to be taught some things that's going to, oh, I'm going to tussle with it, but it's going to help me change some things in my life. And you're going to get some real testimonies from people that are going to share, hey, I didn't come running, you know. You, you're gonna, and then you're also going to hear some testimonies of people who said they just came running. That could be real. It's some people, but some people, like Virginia was saying, what came in fear and death and facing some things and was scared to Christ. You know, it's, that's real. That is a real thing. Where, and some people need that. Because I have testimony of people, you know, on deployments that say, I want to never. You know, God brought me here so I can change my life. I've seen people pray who said they do not believe. When the mortars started flying and stuff started hitting and, and alarms was going off, oh, I thought you didn't believe. But you were praying, you were praying today. And some people came that way. So we got different stories about how people 
came to Christ and what their stories are. And there's still people out there who think, let me clean myself up, let me change some things around, and then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start being faithful. Go ahead. Hello. Um, it's been a while since I've been here, and I'm, it's a blessing to be back in the house of the Lord. And um, <clears throat> But I heard you saying about being a follower of Christ. Um, what came to my mind is when the, the Bible says that um, all would know that we're his disciples the way we love one another. And so, you know, we can always say <clears throat> that we love someone, but if someone don't see that we're loving one another, they won't see Christ in us, and, they, and we're, the, we're his instruments. We, we're the ones that, that resemble him to the world. So if we're bickering and <clears throat> backbiting and, and someone is looking at us, and they, mm -hmm. they're saying, um, I don't want that God that they're serving. So we got that, that scripture there that says all would know that we're his disciples, not, not some. And <clears throat> another thing I want to share, you were saying that um, how um, you a follower of Christ, you, you, you in tune your mind to the spirit of God. When, when God speaks, you, even when it's against every grain in your body and your being, you listen. Uh, a prime example, I was at work one time and, and this young lady disrespected me as her supervisor and told me what she wasn't going to do and wasn't going to do her job, wasn't going to change someone and turn someone. And <clears throat> to me, I wanted to write her up, get her out of there because she wasn't doing a job. She took a break and the Lord told me, when she come back, pray with her. I said, I'm going to pray with someone who just disrespected me in front of everybody. So... And, and, and why, before she even came back, the Lord said, pray with her, and I want you to bless her. And I was asking, well, well I can't give her no money. And, but then I said, I, I got to listen to God. And I said, well, how much do you want me to give her? And God told me the amount to give her. And I was saying, whoa. <laughs> and I'm going I'm to I'm tell you, God, when you're in tune with God, and when the young lady came back, <clears throat> she went in, she did a job. I called into the supply closet, I, and I asked her if I could pray with her. We prayed. And then I told her I got a cash app number and, and, and all that stuff and gave her, told her what God told me to do. First of all, when we got done praying, the, the young lady broke down in tears. She was so broken. We, we, we forget that people are broken and they respond a certain way. And God put them in our life for us to, <clears throat> to let them see him. Amen. And, and, and to this day now, that young lady who would walk in there with an attitude, she, she's born again. She's on fire for God. When she walk in, she's, I mean, she's on fire for God. She's in her 20s. She's on fire for God. And, and, but, but that moment, she said that she know that God spoke to me about her <clears throat> because it was some things about her that I didn't even know that in the prayer God revealed. Amen. And as we were praying, and, and then I blessed her with the money, she needed money. She, she, she was going through so much. So y'all... My thing is, if we're in tune with God's spirit, we can, we can help the lost. We can help the broken Amen. instead of playing into that thing. And I could have went back and forth, got her fired. But she needed God is what she needed. That's so right. I'm, I'm just saying that the, as a body, let's, let's work together as one. Amen. Amen. That's that close-knit yeah, love. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say, what Herb was talking about. That's that knit. Not only us being knitted together as body of believers, but us being knitted together in Christ and being, able, being sensitive to his voice, being sensitive to what he said to us. Now, because somebody could have said, oh, no, I'm not going to bless her. She going to get it. You know, she did good. Amen. Yeah. 
Smile. Do I see another hand? Go ahead. You know, it says um, in Luke 9, it says, uh, uh, then he in the crowd, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to follow me, you must give up your ways and take up the cross daily and follow me. And one of the things that it says to me that I understand, I know that uh, I'm saying this, that uh, we are made up with body, soul, and spirit. If you think about the soul, you understand the soul is pretty much is the mind, your will, and your emotion. Mm -hmm. That will is the last thing that holds us. You say the things that, you know, we like sin. Well, you know, that's some of the, that's some of the things that we, we like. But he says, pick up and follow me your, you know, my ways. That means you have to do God way, the, the will of God. In order to do that, you have to be a student. What is, what is his ways? Yeah, because if you don't know his ways. If you don't know. You can't do and, it. <laughs> and one of the things that we know that's special to being a Christian, we say, is, you know, what's a requirement? It says usually it's, it's belief and repentance. Then another thing, Father, obedience. Obedience on what? Well, you got to know how to be obedient of the things of his will. So I would say that once you understand that it gives you the difference of being a student is that doing God's will, Amen. his way. That's good. Thank Amen. you. Amen. So just to go back, I know we were talking, we were talking about it being a cost. And was it a cost for you? Did you set, drop your net, come running? Did you toy, did you tussle a little bit? Did you go, you know, hey, wait a minute. But um, this is how the next couple of verses that are coming up, this is how we know that we're going to live out or how Paul was wanting us to know that we can live out the very purpose of the book of Colossians. Here is where we get into where I got that, that title that um, um, Brother, Brother Woods was picking me about, um, a tree planted by streams of water. I was meditating on this text, and when I got to these verses coming up here, I clearly heard like a tree planted by streams of water, and that, has, that was nowhere near, that's not in this Colossians right here. And so in verse 7, it says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. I need somebody, I want to get somebody real quick, quick to read um, Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. Got it? Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere, mere humans. This is the New Living Translation. Okay. You want the New Living no, or which one? No, that's good. That's good. Mm -hmm. um, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. 
They are like stunted shrubs in the desert <laughs> with no hope for the future. Uh -huh. They will live in the barren wilderness and an inhabitable salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord okay. and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank. Okay. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes, but when its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought nor will cease from yielding fruit. Amen? Amen? And I was trying to figure out, huh? But that's what he's saying. That's how we're going to make it. That is how we are going to make it. And that's the answer to a whole lot of stuff in this Christian journey is to let your roots, it says, grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in truth, the truth you were taught, Brother Her, and you will overflow with thankfulness. I'm just capitalizing on that, being taught. Now, it's important to note that trees planted by water grow to be strong and fruitful. It says they survive even in seasons of drought. Tree roots, huh? I'm telling you because it just said, let your roots grow down into him. Tree roots anchor the tree in the soil, keeping it straight and stable. It says trees need their roots to survive. The roots take in water and nutrients from the soil in the area and give it to the tree so that it can grow into a beautiful feature in the landscape. Amen? Amen. That's how God is telling us to be. But he is the source. He's the source. Go ahead. Can I read yes. Go, you get a mic? And, oh, you don't, you're going ahead. Can go I, ahead. You can do it, can do even it. though that's right. in my stuff. I love this psalm. <laughs> um, it's Psalms 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the, in the counsel of the ungodly, uh -huh. nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat the of the scornful. Uh -huh. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doeth he meditate day, day and, night. and night. Amen. You just went away. You just going to uh, go ahead. And he shall be like a tree. Planted by the river of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, uh -huh. and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. prosper. That's good. You way ahead. That's okay. That's all right. But that's good. That just let me know, hey, the same way we read that, that's I mean, God took me there. That's, that's what that was saying. That's how you're going to make it. Because there's so many things that... Whether you know it or not, um, things are trying to push you off. He's not just telling you to be rooted and grounded for no reason. Well, you need to be rooted and grounded for. If it was so easy for you to just accept Christ and then go on about your business, then you'd be all right. We wouldn't need all these extra words to tell you to be rooted, to be grounded, to be by the water so that you could be like a tree planted so you won't be tossed to and fro when there's a storm coming. Amen? You know that I was looking at a, a TikTok recently. And this, TikTok? Okay. And this black guy, you learn a lot of stuff on that thing, really. But um, good stuff, good stuff. I, I skip. I know when to skip. <laughs> Go ahead. 
But I was looking at this young black man going into this mall without a shirt, a bright neon shirt uh -huh. that said, Jesus saved. And the security guard in America tell him he must leave and cannot come in with that shirt. We have to start praying because things is getting worse. It's getting really bad. For somebody to tell you you cannot come into a public place because you are wearing a shirt that said Jesus saved. And they literally was putting him out. It went viral. I'm surprised that y'all didn't mention it. I see, yeah, I see yeah. it. You can't even wear the name of Jesus. You can't even call his name. Where they at? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. Uh, I'm, I don't remember the state, but it's... But it's a, okay. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, here in the United States. You said we got to start praying? We supposed to, y'all, we supposed to no, no, no. praying. When I say start praying, we have to consistently stay in prayer. Not just mm -hmm. pray over your food or going to bed. <laughs> I'm talking about constantly talking to the Lord and asking him to, to watch over you and guide you. Because it's getting serious. The opposition. Amen. Amen. It's always been opposition to this word. It's coming, yeah, and it's coming worse. So it's becoming coming worse, or people are becoming more vocal yeah. and more free to share how they feel about how you feel. Yeah. When at one time people respected that we didn't agree, yeah. now it's becoming because you don't believe like I believe, I'm gonna oppose you and come against you and make you believe what I, you know. Yeah, like and so that's I think that's the difference. But people have been opposing this word since, you know what I mean? I yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not coming against you. I'm just saying. I, I was meaning like, okay, you know in other countries, they kill them, beat them, do all this stuff because you're preaching the word or you're talking the word or, or you're wearing his name for God's sake. Yeah. You know? But now you're so saying in other America. Country, but when it come here, you got to wonder what really going on. This is supposed to be a free country. <laughs> supposed to. No, I didn't say it was free. I said it was supposed to be. <laughs> Man. Amen. A hey, verse eight. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. That same word, that got my undivided attention. In the Amplified Bible, it calls it, it says pseudo intellectual babble. According to the tradition of mere men following elementary principles of the world, rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. And that's, where, and that's some of the stuff that we're facing in addition to what you're saying. I mean, high, it says high-sounding nonsense. What is that, right? High-sounding nonsense. I mean, it sounds real good. That's what I was coming to y'all with earlier. Well-crafted arguments. Things that sound like, huh, that make you ponder, make you think, well, why not? Maybe we're missing the mark because we haven't thought about that right there, don't be deceived. The, the very subheading over above Colossians 2 in my Bible says, not philosophy, but Christ. Not philosophy, but Christ. And I had to get into the, and kind of figure out why, you know, why I come against philosophy or what, you know, is philosophy, philosophy such the opposite of Christ? Philosophy is the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence especially when considered as an academic discipline. Some people just, they use the word philosophical thought. Philo meaning love and sophos meaning wisdom. So the love of wisdom, right? It's like, hey, what's, what's wrong with that? So why do you think 
The heading says, not philosophy, but Christ. Not philosophy, but Christ. If nobody has anything, it, the word says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, it said, ask God. But I think, go ahead, I'm going to let you talk, but something there with philosophy that I want to get to. Go ahead. Um, a lot of it, if, if we're not careful, we will um, serve God and, and, and treat God with our mind. And, and our mind limit God. It limit his, his Somebody ability. Somebody have their mic next to a um, cell phone. That's what that sound is. In our natural mind, we limit God's ability to move because where our mind see reality to us, God already saw past that point and, and has answered, but we, we limit him with our what we've learned in school of what the doctors say is, will happen. We, we tend to believe that will happen versus what God say about it. You know, he said that we're healed by his stripes, but the, the doctors say you, you're doomed, you, gonna, you got two weeks. Um, so, and, and in our mind, based on our studies and what we know about the body, um, you know, we, we done counted God out. And, uh, that's where I was going. That's yeah. exactly where I was going. There's worldly yeah. wisdom, and, and there's God's wisdom. And I mean, you know, that true wisdom comes from God. Amen. That, that's what I was going to say. When, with philosophy and any teaching from man gives man the credit, and, and, and God gets the credit because okay. he's... His wisdom. Right. True wisdom comes from God. True wisdom comes from God, but when we start saying, okay, this philosopher... We're giving credit to uh, we're giving credit to man, Amen. not Christ. Amen. And that's I believe that's exactly what God wanted us to get out of that passage. It wasn't like because I was saying doesn't it sound so harmless? Philo means love. Hey, the love of wisdom. Hmm. You know the love. It sounds innocent, but the very heading says not philosophy, but Christ. And so for us to be careful because there's a lot of things I see you, um, Virginia. There's a lot of things that are very close, that are right there. And if you're not careful, if you don't know this word, or if you are not in tune with the spirit of God, you missed it. You have been missed it. Go ahead. Absolutely. That's what I was saying. Sometimes he'll take the wise thing and make it foolish. He will confound the wise, thing, the wise or the wisdom of this world with foolish things. And if we're so stuck on the philosophy, mm -hmm. philosophical things, what sounds right, um, what sounds right, whether it's um, um, perfectly worded or perfectly embedded in tradition, mm. and believe that over the word of God, then you will miss God. That's good. That's real good. Amen? Go ahead. I see you that. know, Adrian, when you think about it, philosophy is theories that men come up with. Come up with. You can use multi-million dollar words to make yourself seem important. <laughs> what, you, what you're saying is the truth, but it really is just a, a theory that you have. But Jesus said that I am the truth, so that's the difference. Amen. That is the difference. Let me throw something out here. How many of you, I don't know if you guys heard of, there's a pastor, Jamal Bryant. I don't know if you guys know him. Um, 
he's mentioning something along the lines of presenting to his deacons about farming cannabis on their land. They're like a huge mega church. I'm not even gonna call the name of it. Y'all can go look that up on your own. To bring in more black males, teaching them farming and allowing them to be able to do it legally. And this discussion is just something, man, I'm minding my own business and came across that and I was just like, ah, oh, wait a minute. But to hear him talk, if you watch the interview, it's just like, no, I mean, and then they doing it anyway, but I'm, I'm not after. He uses the, the angle of um, I'm trying to reach people where they are. And um, that's, that's what already what they're doing. It's going to bring them. You understand what I mean? You got to listen to the whole thing. It's not horrible. It just, to me, it made me think about the verse of that high sounding nonsense. It just, I mean, and so I do want to get some thoughts on that of, hey, I'm trying to reach people where they are. And some of the people on this interview were kind of saying, um, Hey, they say, come as you are. <laughs> they said, come as you are. And if that's, that's as I am, then what's wrong with, um, what's wrong with what, it, what it is that he's trying to do? Y'all got to talk back to me. I got to know what y'all think about that. I think what he's doing is manipulating people to get them to do the, the dirty work that he don't want to do, okay? <laughs> he's trying to be get profit from what he's going to do. Not the profit of bringing people to God, but to bring the money in his pocket like he's been doing. But that's just my opinion. Okay. okay? Anybody else? Nobody thinking about that? Do y'all think it's okay to grow cannabis in the back? No. And that is going to entice people who already do that so that we can bring people in? Y'all talk back. Nobody know? Do you think it's okay? I want you to talk. You can talk. <laughs> you know, Adrian, I was listening to somebody preaching, and they said that somebody came to them, and they were going to leave the church because people come up in there in the church on Sunday morning high and drunk. That used to be me, so, you know, if <laughs> I wasn't allowed, I wouldn't be up in here. But you see, it doesn't matter. The thing is, when you come, you give your life to him. Mm -hmm. He starts pruning and cutting, and that's why we go through the things that we go through, because we can't continue to make it into heaven with filthy garments on, because he's going to clean us up by the washing of the water of the word. That's why we get convicted when the word is spoken, because his spirit is still in us, and he's got to do what he has to do, because... There was a, in the scripture, it talked about a parable that there was a, the great wedding feast that the king had. Okay. The invited guests gave all kinds of excuses. Hey, go out in the hedges and highways and compel them to come. And when they get here, put this robe on them because they're coming to the wedding. And this one guy comes off up in there, I'm not going to wear that. The king comes in, as good as I've been, and I provided this. Take this guy out, and there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what the word says. Because we can't just think that just because I come to Jesus, I come to Jesus as I am, reared, torn, with sin. And I found in him a resting place. But we don't stay the same way when we come to him. That's good. Because we've got to grow. 
Amen. Can I say something? If I've been sin in the church, I'm going to put it that way. I come in here. This is supposed to be a hospital. I understand that. But then I'm going to give them a medication that's going to kill them. Say one more time. This is a hospital. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring my sick in here and feed them the poison instead of good medication, which uh -huh. is the word. I'm going to give them poison and kill them little by little because they're not going to change because in, I have something that they want, but not the word. They don't want the word. They want what you have in the back here. So are they really coming for the word to change? Are you really bringing them for that? Or are you bringing them so they can continue to enjoy it even more? What is it going to be? Because it, it can be both. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and I'm, I'm just bringing it because that's what's out there, and that's the kind of stuff. And I see another hand over here, but that's the kind of stuff that's out there. And they have different arguments to kind of support what they feel, that, hey, I'm bringing cannabis in the back, and I'm enticing black males to come to my church, and my church is fully loaded. I got by the thousands, this many people saved, and you got five people in your church, so don't talk to me. And so I'm just talking to y'all. I'm talking real to y'all. There's some well-crafted arguments out there that peddle this gospel for selfish gain. It's real. And if you are not rooted and grounded in this word, you may be somebody who fall for the okie doke. That's all I'm trying to say. I, I'm not, I, I know where I stand. Do you guys know where you stand? Do you know where you stand? Because there's a lot more than that. That's just one example that I put out there. And I wrote the same thing almost that, um, Brother Woods said, you come as you are, but it's not for you to stay as, as you are. Come as you are. Come, nobody, nobody in here is perfect. Come as you are. But I don't think I need to supply you with something that may be a problem to you so that you can continue as you are. God is trying to heal people. There's, there's, a, there's a transformation, a renewing of the mind that kind of helps you along, not kind of that helps you along and helps you make difference, you know, a difference in your life and choose the things of Christ versus the things of the world. It's a renewing of the way that you think, not for me to give you what it is that you crave and hope that, that I don't need to enable you. And that's my, my opinion on it. Amen? And so the whole point is you got to be careful because there's a lot out there. Well-crafted arguments. Rooted and grounded in Christ. You got to be rooted in his word. And the bottom line, throughout this, throughout all of that we're studying tonight, is staying connected to Christ. There's so many verses What it says. Um, he says, abide in me and I in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. What y'all talking Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is why... Accepting Christ is great, but you got to let your roots grow down in him. You have to be built on him. The foundation of your life and the things that you do, you have to, this is serious. Because you may accept Christ and think that you got it going on, and it just don't take much for something to come along and throw you off. When you are not rooted and grounded in this word and in Christ, it says you can be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And there's a lot out there, a lot. And some of them sound, you know what, that's not so bad. 
especially if you're somebody who kind of still struggling in your flesh, well, they accept me as I am, and I'm, I'm good. And now you're confused and thinking that you're going the right direction, and you headed down the wrong way. You headed the wrong way. Amen? I think God wants you to know tonight that there's going to be much, not just opposition, much opposition. It wants you to fall away from his truth. There's so much opposition, even when you are rooted, even when you are grounded, that pull at your desires, your time, your interests, your treasure, your talent. So when she was talking about steward, you, you write, it pulls at those things. So when you're not a good steward over the things that God has given you, you easily fall away and are enticed by other things that kind of seem like, well, they still getting the word and they still, it seems like they ain't doing so good over there and we just, I don't know. Go ahead. Uh, just to piggyback off what you said, um, get saved. It's good, but you have to learn and study the word, and, or you can be easily swayed or mm -hmm. easily pushed off. And the Bible tells us it's a remedy for that. Search the scriptures, mm -hmm. for in them you think you obtain life. But when you open that word up to you as a mirror, to going back to being a student, a following student of God, you check yourself and check your life against the word of God. And that's where, how you build relationship. That's how you build communication with him because you can pray all day long, but if you don't recognize his, his voice, you won't hear him. And his voice is his word. He's going to repeat his word back to you. So, yeah, you, you got saved. And like you said, you got to get those deep roots in the word. But you got to stay connected to the vine. I thought about something that you said earlier. Um, Brother Anthony said earlier about the sweater. A sweater or something that's knitted together can be stretched and once it's stretched and open wide and stretch and pull apart, one knot is far away from another knot. And there's a gap in the middle of that stretch fabric and anything can go between that stretch fabric. So it's so important that you stay, forsake not to assemble yourselves together, stay close and stay connected. Thank you, stay close and stay connected so that you have a better mirror. You can constantly hear the word. You could constantly get roots. You could constantly dig deeper because even though you might not understand everything that's said on a Sunday over a pulpit, over a stand in Bible study, it'll give you a nugget for you to go back and search it. Amen. Amen. And then, and then uh, you mentioned something about uh, your flesh um, and how you know you have to deal with that. And I I hear one more person say you got to kill you can't your flesh is your flesh <laughs> you, you can't kill your flesh your flesh is always going to be your flesh until the day you die but what you can do is learn how to react to what your flesh is calling you to do you can't you can't kill your flesh they, you know major they're talking the scriptures crucify your flesh yeah. daily they're regurgitating that and that is not a uh, physical right it's not a physical killing thing, but you can't but it is a it's exactly what you said is keeping your flesh in check daily it's daily presenting your body a living sacrifice before God yeah. it says which is your reasonable service so you're right you're not yeah but the scripture says crucify and that and that is figurative language very poetic language to let you know 
that this flesh is wanting the total opposite of what God wants for you. And you cannot let this flesh free and think, oh, that's okay, I'm going to toy around with that. You can't play with it because the flesh don't play fair. Right. It, it, it is completely against. What's that scripture to say? Every time I want to do right. When I would do good, evil is always evil present. Evil is always present. When I try to go this way, Flesh, ah, want to go that way. And that's real. That's the reality of your flesh and your spirit. And I think we talked about this. I said, which one is going to win? The one you build up, the one that's in the gym, <laughs> the one that you work out the most. If you feed this flesh more, this flesh is going to be stronger than your spirit. And when you go to try to fight temptation, you don't have what it takes because you've been feeding the flesh. Okay, so what does killing the flesh look like? When you used to do something and you don't do it anymore, it's not even enticing to you anymore. Oh, it is not even appealing to you anymore. Why? Because those cells of that flesh have died. You have killed it with either consciously doing the word, constantly watering your life with spiritual things with the word of God. But yes, I, I believe that you can kill parts of the flesh, not physically. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not physically, bro, but definitely, yes, spiritually. You got to kill that flesh. Or you know what happens when you don't kill parts of the flesh? It comes right back up. <laughs> you got to go right back around to that test. Yeah, but, but when your flesh arises, and, and it will. Oh, it, it will. It, 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 it will. Yeah. So that to me says it's, it it's not dead, dead and you can't it kill it. Yet. But what you have to do is you deal with that. You learn the way you reacted to it five years ago, ten years ago, you don't react that way anymore. It's going to keep on rising. Right. And I, I get what you're saying, Major. They just read in the scriptures. Crucify the flesh daily. Right, and so, right as an oxymoron, how can you crucify something every day? Didn't I just kill you yesterday? That, you are just making the point of every day, you gotta be intentional with putting your flesh in check. Y'all you, 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 making a point? You can't really kill it every day, you gotta crucify it daily. So, to your point and your point, y'all saying the same thing, I just want you to know, yeah, your flesh is gonna rise up, but every day, He's using, and look what terminology he used, crucify. He didn't just say kill it. Why well, the crucifixion is just kind of like a whole nother, that's a whole nother Bible study, right? But they're just saying every day put your flesh in check so that you can resist temptation and so that the enemy will flee for you, you know, flee from you, amen? I don't know where we at. Okay, so nine, we in 9 and 10. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are, also, you are also complete through your union with Christ, which is what we've been talking about the whole time, your connection with Christ, your abiding in him, your being rooted and grounded in him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Some Bibles, head of all principality and power. God is wanting you to know tonight you are complete through your connection to Christ. We get to 11. Then we drop down to 11, kind of these next couple of verses. The heading there is not legalism, but Christ. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not only by physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. 
But how many of you know some are still trying to work their way into heaven? That's me talking. Somebody's still trying to work their way even though it was a spiritual circumcision that he did. God's word says that we are saved by grace and through faith in Christ Jesus and not by your own efforts or your works. Grace alone, faith alone. And grace alone means that God loves, forgives, and saves us, not because of who we are or what we do, but because of the works of Christ. Amen? Can anybody receive that? Okay. I'll make sure some people say, well, wait a minute. That don't mean by faith. Huh? Through grace. Verse 12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That made me think about, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, all things are passed away. The scripture says, behold, all things are made new. And you are new because he sees you through the blood of Jesus. Not because you do us so well, not because you so well, and you did that just great. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And there is, is destruction. She said there's a way that seems right to a person, but the end therein is destruction. That's the scripture. Verse 13 says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. It was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. That means all. So look, somebody said, what about the things I didn't even do yet? He forgave all, all of your sins. I have a question. <laughs> Is it possible for people to accept Christ being born again without being baptized in water? Yeah, the thief on the cross. I thought about that. The thief on the cross was saying, hey, hey, it was his last try. He was hanging up there. The other guy was still being disrespectful. Hey, remember me, oh Lord. What did he say to him? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Yes. Yes. Amen? 14, it said he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Hey, I read one of these verses, one of these, um, one of the, the, the different kind of, what is it? It says, wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. That's the way they worded that. I could have shouted when I was studying. That's the law. Wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. We were under a law that we couldn't fulfill. I don't, mean, I don't know if y'all understand that, we were under a law that we couldn't, we couldn't fulfill it. We just kept coming up short. <laughs> and I wrote, we still fall short of the glory of God, but thank God for Jesus. The perfect sacrifice who nailed all of our sins to the cross. Still coming up short. Y'all better, I don't know if y'all can really think about that thing, but if we were still under the law, we'd be in trouble. Go ahead, Sam. Um, I, and I, I understand about the law because um, what happened, once we accept Christ as our Savior and born again filled with the Spirit, and we do fulfill the things of the flesh and do the things of the, 
that we have accused other brethren okay. who are trying to come against us and make us think that we're not where we are. But I always try to remember um, certain things I do. I can't, like the brother said back there, I can't take to heaven with me. And so I, I picture myself standing around the throne and if I can't lie around the throne, commit adultery around the throne, and, right. and, and uh, I'm, I'm offending the Holy Spirit that lives in me, that, that kind of helped me control some things. But now, I'm going to tell you, flesh <laughs> is still flesh. <laughs> but, then, but then I love the, the word where it says, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. So when the Holy Spirit, because I've been in the gym working yeah, out you've been in, in the, the spirit, <laughs> I mean, yeah, in, in, in the spirit, <laughs> So that when, 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 the, when the Spirit of God say, don't go that way, don't return that call, you, you know better. You may never know, my husband may never know, my children may never know, but me and God know, and the huh? accuser of the brethren know. And, and I open up the door for him to come in, the enemy, to come in and deceive me and, and, and feed me lies. And, and, and like he did, I always go back to when, is it in First Chronicles, when the enemy wanted to come against Israel. And what the enemy did, he went to David, and I don't know if y'all read this one before, but he went to David and, 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 and influenced David, is what the scriptures say, to, to do a census. And when oh, David yeah. did the census, it wreaked havoc over Israel. But, but see, the enemy would come to us, and if we fulfill the lust of the flesh, because we just invite him in. We invite him in, and that separates us from God, because we choose to follow the enemy. I love y'all. Hey, you know that's real good. Cause it, and the truth is, you only need a foothold. You only need a little opening. Just a little bit. He's just looking for a little opening. Definitely. And you open that door. He just once he get an opening, then he just coming. And you thinking it's little by little. He don't show up with the horns saying, "Hey, let's go." It's a little different. It's deceptive. It's crafty. It's well crafted. It's maybe that's okay. You won't surely die. Well, perhaps it's that reasoning and that pondering and maybe it's the theory or the uh, philosophical thinking that'll get you in a place that you have no business being in. Amen? In verse 15 it says, in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. It says he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That made me think about 1 Corinthians 15. It explains it so perfectly to me. And it's one of my favorites. It says, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know. Y'all sound victorious. I dare y'all go ahead and just give God some praise in this place. I'm excited about the grace, the cross. Because I don't know if you understand, you can't perfect this grace. You couldn't perfect that law. That grace, that grace, it's something about the grace of God. Even now, it's something about the grace of God. And you really recognize who you are in the, the, this flesh and what you struggle with, you better thank God for his grace and how his grace is keeping you, huh? You know, sometimes you were supposed to go right and you went left. And you went anyway and you knew the Lord. You better thank God for grace and be able to come back and, and, and unto repentance and say, hey, here I am, Lord. Y'all acting brand new, but I know what I'm talking about. Amen? 
So don't let anyone, we in 16, condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. There's some people who still keep those things and they will say, well, you ain't, you, you're not, you're not on the right track. You don't celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles and the, there's some people who still recognize and who do those things and there's no shout, you know, it's nothing against them, but don't put that on me because right here, I'm good. Amen? For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. That's my own words. Christ himself is that reality that's yet to come. The reality that's yet to come is Jesus Christ. Christ is the reality. I want y'all to know he is the substance of everything that we hope for. He will manifest all that is hidden and stored up on our behalf. This is why Paul says, I want them to be encouraged and confident in Christ. He's telling that, us that early in the beginning, Colossians and Laodicea. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. 19, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together that's that knit together again with strong ties of love, with, his, with its joints and ligaments. And it grows as God nourishes it. It grows, guys, as God increases it. How many of you know that he that began, I can't help myself, I, I'm low on time, but I want you to know, he that began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So you are constantly being worked on, renewed, your mind being changed, things falling off that don't belong. Constantly, you are not there yet, regardless of what you think about yourself. He that began that work is doing that work and completing that work in you. It's him that gives the increase. Amen? It says, you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desire. Wow. wow. Wow, right? So what helps you conquer evil desires? That's a question. What helps you? Because all of these other things, they said that's not, that's not what's going to help you. She said the, she said the spirit of God. The, somebody said the consequences of God. Huh? His grace is so good, but his wrath, nobody don't want to talk about the wrath of God, right? Amen. Amen. So that keeps some people in line, knowing what the end, knowing what Anthony was talking about, the weeping and, and um, gnashing of teeth. Some people, don't, that's keeping, that scripture right there is keeping somebody in line. <laughs> Amen? Um, excuse me. What, what, um, what keep me in line is I think about, I don't want to disappoint my father. Mm. Same way I didn't want to disappoint my natural father. I, I didn't want to see his countenance drop. I pictured my father in heaven. It, and, and, you know, sometimes that flesh just want to do what it want to do. But then you think about, man, I don't want to disappoint him. That's good. That, 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 that would keep me. 
That's good. And that's real. That's one of my testimonies of I don't want to I don't want to disappoint you. Mm-mm. I could have went Catholic. Mm-mm. I don't want to disappoint you. Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about that a little bit. We were talking about um, integrity. I think Myrna was the one that brought it up. And I was like, yeah, doing what's right when no one is looking. Mm-hmm. But then always being mindful of when no one else is looking, God is still mm-hmm. looking. And he sees all. You can close the door. He's still aware of what it is that you're doing. And when you get that relationship to the point where you don't want to disappoint God, you don't want to let him down, life is a little bit different for you. When you realize that, hey, he is there. He's aware. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to, don't take your spirit from me. That, that, that sinner's prayer. Take not your spirit from me, Lord. You know, forgive me, wash, purge me with hyssop. You know, if you can get there, then you can hold yourself accountable because you don't want to disappoint God. And that is a strong way to keep yourself in check, to crucify that flesh daily, major crucify. But, you know, that's what <laughs> said. That's, um, that's true. I mean, and then we have to love that way, too. We, I mean, we have to love each other that way. We have to love our kids that way. Amen. We have to love our family that way to a point where they say, I don't want to you know, disappoint, yes. or I don't want to disappoint you because I know how much you care about me. It's just right. it's what she said, yeah. and that's how we should live. I mean, that's that love we were talking about in the beginning. That's good. That's really good. And I ended with where um, Brother Tory took my, my stuff. I, this is what I ended. I ended with uh, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. <laughs> He was on fire. It's blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or set foot on the path of sinners. Y'all listen to this real good. Or sit in the seat of mockers. There's people who mock God, make fun of the things of God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. There's some verses that say rivers of water. Yielding its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and who prospers in all he does. Now hear the contrast in this. I I don't know if I'm just loving um, the poetic in here, but it says, not so with the wicked, for they are like the shaft driven off by the wind. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord guards the path, he guards the path of the righteous. But the way of the wicked, regardless of how it looks right now, will perish. Amen? Go ahead and give God a hand clap of praise for his word. I do trust that it fell on good ground on tonight.